Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. What's poppin'? Brand new show, let's jump in. <laughs> Sorry, today's Jack Harlow's birthday, so I had to start out with a Jack Harlow reference. But welcome into the Blitz, everybody, on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. I'm Tanner Saunders. I'll be your host today. And for the moment, I am joined only by Dan Dale. And what can I say? When all else fails, the Tan and Dan Show prevails. Oh, yeah, Tan and Dan Show. All right, well, Dan, for, simply put, we have a lot to get into today. Free agency's going on in the NFL. You know, signings are rolling in, you know, as we speak, or reported signings at least. So uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. But we're going to hold off on free agency for just a moment. We'll start out by talking about our beloved hockey team, the Buffalo Sabres, and unfortunately... Still on a bit of a skid here, a bit of a, a losing streak. They last lost to the Rangers on Saturday, although in fairness, they played about as well as you probably could coming off of a 10-4 dismantling, you know, at the hands of the Dallas Stars. They had some some chances in that game. Jost had a goal that got whistled off sides in the second period under a minute left in regulation. Darlene was able to split through uh, two defenders, had a couple looks off of that. Shesterkin, he played a really good game for the Rangers. He was a brick wall in net. Now, the first question I want to pose to you, Dan, was... Was our defense good or were the Rangers just bad? Because I saw a Rangers reporter from the Athletic tweet that that was maybe the worst five-on-five game that the Rangers have played all season. And then, you know, I saw a bunch of our people saying that the defense was great. Labushkin uh, played his best game as a Sabre, I saw somebody say. Um, You know, he had the nice cross-ice pass to set up the lone Sabre goal by Jeff Skinner. But what do you think about the performance of the defense? Honestly, I thought the defense was really well put together. I I mean, the sense of just how they played. It was actually like they had confidence in what they were doing. They were they they made amazing stops on uh a three on one. I I mean power I think it was just put a stick in there and knocked the puck away from, you know, the guy ever getting a pass off to one of the other two. Um it it was one of the best games I have seen the Sabres play overall. I mean, the offense was playing shots on net. Uh, they outshot the Rangers, which is like a huge thing. Um, defense looked solid for the first time in, I think, two months. <laughs> and Ukepeka Lukanen, I mean, he is the GOAT for a reason. But, man... I I really think the Rangers maybe had an off day, but I also would like to feel that the Sabres just had their number and they knew what they were going to get. Uh, just a high-powered team that's going to put shots on net and is going to capitalize on the mistakes. And even though the Sabres did have a few mix-ups here and there with losing the puck and not keeping it... Um, they they seem to get back pretty well, do the back check really well, and that was like a huge thing. I I mean I remember we we talked after the Dallas game and we're like, well, defense played horribly, offense didn't play defense, uh, players aren't taking responsibility, and then it's like this game it just seemed like there was a different tone, 
It, it just felt like they finally came together as a team and said, okay, we got to do better on all accounts here. Uh, especially that starts with the defense. And I just thought the penalty kill did really well. Um, I think the power play may have suffered from it, but I don't really know. Um, but really, the the one person I have beef with, the one person who could have ended it all in the third period with maybe 30 seconds left, a minute to 30 seconds left, who had a wide open net and shot it over the goal. Victor freaking Olofsson. He needs to sit. He he needs a break. He needs the Ralph Kruger treatment. He needs to go on his couch, look at film from there. Because that man is not, he, he's not there. Um, you know, the Sabres, they play tonight against the Maple Leafs, and they haven't released the lines yet. You know, Gergensen didn't go out to skate. Labushkin didn't go out to skate. But Granado said that they're playing. So nobody knows what the lines are going to be like tonight. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Victor Olofsson off the line, off the third line and scratched because he missed a goal against the Rangers that would have ended it all. Ended it all. We wouldn't have to worry about stupid overtime where it goes off a stick, goes straight to whatever the dude's name, Bread. His nickname's Bread. Panarin. Yeah, okay, Bread. Uh, Great nickname, New York. You're great. Bread. Who I I just have a problem with the nickname. Who nicknames their players bread? What I'm about to call UPL pastrami. I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 what? We just name people after food now? But I I I mean that that was probably one of the most unlucky games I've seen the Sabres play in the sense of being a complete team which played like Ukapekalukinen should have had a shutout. Yeah, you're right about that. I will uh, get to that in a moment, but I will second you on that. That is absolutely 100% facts. Uh, The next thing from this game was the kid line got some pretty rave reviews. What were your thoughts on the uh, the kid line back together? Now, they didn't score any goals. They didn't even register a single point, but, uh, you know, I saw plenty of people saying they were out there buzzing all over the ice. What was your thoughts of the performance from the kid line? They did seem rejuvenated to play with each other again, which was very odd to see because usually when, you know, a line doesn't work and you move on from it, you don't get a chance to really do it again until the end of the season when you're kind of like, are you in, are you out? Um, but I I just think the kid line played great, and I think it was just because they were able to play on different lines for a little bit, play with more experienced players than themselves. Um, I mean, Cousins is going to be a great center for a long time. Uh, Quinn, I, I mean, we all question why he isn't on the first line, but, man, he's still got – he he can shoot, and Igor just made great saves. Um, really, the Rangers won all because of their goalie. Uh, and then even Paterka, he looked different. He looked on a different level. And you know Why? Because he wasn't on the same line as Victor Olofsson. It, it seems like there's one common denominator. I'm, I'm shifting my focus from Casey Middlestat to Victor Olofsson. And I think that makes you very happy, Tanner, because I know how yeah. much you love Middlestat mode. Uh, but I, I, I just think the kid line did look 
like they were just screwing up the Rangers' plans. They were around when, um, you know, they didn't want him to be around. Frank's doing a gritty into the Studio B. Mm-hmm. He's oh grittily gwittying. Uh, I don't even want to do that. Grittily gwittying yeah. into the studio. I, I don't want <laughs> uh But I I think the kid line together, If I, I think it worked pretty well. It, it can definitely... I wouldn't mind seeing it tonight against Toronto. I would love to see it tonight against Toronto, especially if... I, I would love to see the kid line versus Austin Matthews. Mm, that that would be uh, really cool to me, just to see all our young guys just take on one guy who's having a horrible year and focus him. But um, I, I love the kid line, and the kid line's here to stay for right now. All right, Dan, you alluded to it, and you were absolutely correct. Lukanen, once again, it's become a common theme, but Lukanen played a tremendous game once again only to get sold by things that weren't even in his control. I mean, you look at the first goal, deflects off or it deflects off of Owen Powers' big old Ronald McDonald feet off a Patrick Kane backhand pass to the front of the net and squirts right through the five hole. Just you hate to see it. Although in fairness, I don't know if Patrick Kane meant to do that intentionally, but if he did, that's a real heads up play, knowing that Owen Powers' skate was kind of like turned such that if he shot it off his skate, it would deflect into the net. So I don't know if he did that intentionally or not but if he did that was one heck of a play by Patrick Kane and then the second goal was set up off a broken play you know gets deflected off a slot shot right to Panarin who was able to load up and fire right away and Lukanen can get in getting in a position to make the save you know both goals were off extremely unlucky breaks that was a shutout man Oh, that is so frustrating. That was his shutout. And to have not only one goal go in off an unfortunate circumstance, but two of them, and to lose us the game, that one, that just hurt. I hate to see it, man, for Lukanen. He just, this happens all the time where he just plays so well out of his mind and then and then something happens that's just out of his control. Like, the universe does not want UPL to have nice things for whatever reason, simply put. But he's getting close to that shutout. I can feel it. It's coming. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Next time he's in net, man. I, I, I said it last time when we were doing score predictions. I'm not gonna guess it because I feel like the opposite will happen. Well, the signs are there that uh, you should guess it because it's gonna happen. That was the <laughs> the closest he's ever been. He's never. I didn't realize this, but he has not yet in his Saber career had a game where he's held the team to one or fewer goals. But really? and that was that was close. That should have been the one, at least one goal. But uh, that very, you know, we get a couple friendly bounces, then that's that's a shutout right there. But anyway, moving on. Sabers play as you mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight at the Scotiabank Arena. First thing we need to touch on is the injury front. Just what we needed. Rasmus Dahlin day to day with an upper body injury. Although I believe he is going to play tonight. Matias Samuelson is week to week. Although Granado said yesterday not season ending with an upper body injury. And Eric Comrie. This one was a surprise that popped up on the injury report week to week with a uh, lower body injury. They called it a lower body injury. Are we sure it's not a shattered soul from the last time he was in the net <laughs> giving up 10 goals against uh, against the Dallas Stars? But apparently not a shattered soul. A, a lower body injury that happened in practice this past Friday, which you know, it's unfortunate Comrie's dealt with this the second injury he's dealt with this year, but I'm not mad about it because that means more Uko, Pekka, Pekka Lukanen. Lukanen. That's right. 
So, uh, but he's not going to be playing tonight. Apparently, it's going to be Craig Anderson in net. Um, Alex Tuck were also returned to practice yesterday. That was a bit of a surprise in a regular jersey too. And the signs are pointing towards him playing tonight, which I was not expecting. I mean, I know Don Granado said we'd get him back before the end of the regular season, but I didn't think it would be this quick. Um, the lines from yesterday's practice. So you had Skinner, Tage, Tuck. The the good old handy-dandy first line. The kid line stayed together. The third line was Greenway, Krebs, Middlestat. And then the fourth line was Gergi, Jost, and Vinny Henestrosa. Oposo did not practice yesterday. And uh, no Victor Olofsson. So, Dan, you're getting your wish. Signs are pointing to Victor Olofsson being a scratch tonight. Yeah, I mean, I w- I'm not mad at it. That's for sure. Um, you know, Frank, is this your first time sitting next to me? Because I hit the table. And it, 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 like, shocked him. He, he like, woke up. Nothing like uh, nothing like some double D energy to wake you up there. That'll do it. <laughs> all right. So the last time the Sabres played the Toronto Maple Leafs, that's one that uh, we'd all probably like to forget. The Leafs won 6-3. to three. They got out to a 5 nothing lead. And as much as it pains me to say it, Lukanen got pulled after 12 minutes after letting up four goals on 10 shots. We then scored three unanswered in the third to cut it down until Ryan O'Reilly sunk the empty net goal to seal it. But luckily, we don't have to deal with Ryan O'Reilly this time around since he is on injured reserve. So I'll pose the uh, the question, what went wrong the last time for the Sabres, and how do they prevent it from happening again? Uh, Pretty easily. Uh, you No Ryan O'Reilly means easy win. <laughs> all right. That's that, all it takes. All right. Oh, holy smokes. Uh, sorry. I know, I know. We're looking at our phones. Uh, free agency is crazy. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get to that. I mean, there's just so much going on. It's the start of the legal tampering period. But, uh, all right, that'll uh, wrap us up relatively quickly on Sabres Talks. So and now let's talk a little bit about free agency, since that's the talk of the day, and get right into it. We'll start out in-house with the Bills. Matt Milano, over the weekend, signed a two-year contract extension with the Bills through 2026, and that creates $6 million in cap room this offseason. So the first question that I have here is, what does this mean for Tremaine Edmonds? Do you think they cleared up that $6 million you know, potentially to bring him back, or do they just want the extra security of having Matt Milano around because that they fear Edmonds is as good as gone this offseason? I would think it's like a double, that's a double-headed dragon, you know, that that definitely could be. Like, you want to keep Milano for as long as you can because Milano is a great linebacker. I mean, Milano is an all-pro by all means, I, I mean, he is one of the most underrated linebackers, I would say, in the NFL. And, you know, to clear up cap space, I mean, you can either look at that as that's for Edmonds or that's to get over the cap. You know, that it, it's really kind of like 50-50 question there. Was it just for to get us back to zeros or to make uh, – more cash appear for Tremaine. I would hope it's more cash for Tremaine, but I wouldn't be mad if it's just uh, just for cap space. Frank the Tank? Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I think Dan said it rest. I think it's... It both could be both ways, but I would say... I think it's leaning more towards it's just creating cap space, but it's not going to be for Tremaine Edmonds. Mm, yeah, that's... 
I don't want to. I don't want to believe it, but that's what my what my head says now. I would say, although what I would say to that is there's still hope on the Edmonds front because when Milano's rookie deal was up, I mean, everybody thought he was as good as gone, but uh, Bean struck a deal at the final hour to keep him off the free agency market. Now, we've gone past that now with Tremaine, but I would say there's still hope there, although it's looking grim at best. The next uh, Bills transaction was Naheem Hines took a pay cut to stay with the Bills, his 2023 cap hit goes from $4.79 million down to $3.5 million, saving the Bills $1.3 million in cap space this offseason. I mean, you know, we're just uh, kind of trimming the edges. you got to find that cap room anywhere you can, but it's good to keep Naheem Hines on the roster. Hopefully, uh, Ken Dorsey can scheme up some plays to get him involved, you know, in the offense next year, whether it be you know, in the running game or as a receiver, but, and also there's the juice that he provides on special teams. I mean, I've said it before, he single-handedly won us that Patriot game, but Dan, I assume you give this one the old thumbs up? Of course. Why would I not give it the old thumbs up? It's a great move. You know, it's just trimming around the edges, like you said. And, you know, if he is your returner uh, and just your returner, I'm not mad by that contract. In any means, because that means I don't, I don't have to see Brandon Bean try to draft a returner this year. So I, I think it's a win all around. Absolutely. Now, some uh, lower tier free agent moves from the Bills, some in-house uh, transactions. They agreed to a contract with punter Sam Martin, three years, $7.5 million total, and then brought back Tyler Matakevich, linebacker, who's widely regarded as one of the best special teamers in the NFL on a one-year deal. And I guess what more can be said about this than hooray free agency, or uh, special teams, my bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really shocked by the Sam Martin signing. I mean, um, Tyler Matakevich is Brandon Bean's guy. It just seems like if there's anybody who just loves the Bills, it's Tyler Medikevich. Because remember, he got released the one year and then came straight back. Like, it was just not a different deal um, for the Bills. But Martin was a, a, a different idea for me. Because he comes here after being cut by the Broncos. He's staying with Von Miller in Von's house. Um, so it's not like there was any commitment to being in Buffalo. Um, at that time, I mean, of course, now there's going to have to be a commitment. He's going to have to buy something uh, to live around here. But uh, it it was pretty much in my eyes he was going to leave and go somewhere else. Uh, even I I made the list yesterday of people the Bills should re-sign, who they sign on offense, who they sign on defense. And then I, I had one special list for... Uh, the Patriot punter who just got cut, Jake Bailey. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was going to come here since there was um, relations that he's kicked in the East and it's probably easy for him to kick in the East. But I'm happy with Sam Martin. I, I mean, Sam Martin's a great punter. He's one of the best in the league. And to keep him around for three years, you know, it's not like Matt Hack. <laughs> Hack. Hate that guy. All right. Well, oh, man. Well, here's another uh, Bills-related nugget. It's a loss. Case Keenum has signed with the Houston Texans. So that means the Bills have to find a new backup quarterback. No, it's Matt Barkley season. Guys are forgetting it's Matt Barkley season. I mean, He's going to be the backup, man. Uh, 
you know, really losing Case is it that big of a deal? Not really. Um, I think it's a great move for Houston. Yeah, I mean, especially with, like, David Mills. You know, I think Case actually has a shot at starting for once in a while. I mean, he'll probably end up like Tyrod Taylor. I I, I could see it now. Case Keenum plays, like, the first six games, gets injured, rookie goes in, and that's the end of Case uh, as a starter. But um, I think it's a really smart move for Case uh, and a really smart move for the Bills to move on. There's no... There's no need to keep a guy who wants a, a big amount, a, a huge amount of money to be your backup for Josh Allen. I mean, and, and he's not really close to Josh Allen in the sense of movement or uh, play style. You know, Case is more of a pocket passer. Uh, Josh Allen, we all know, is not. Um, so I, I definitely think this was the right move to do. And Tanner's pointing at his phone, so something happened. Yeah, let me uh, take this call real quick. But, Dan, oh. while I uh, do that, you tell me who you think the backup quarterback should be then, if not Case Keenum. I, I mean, I've already said Matt Barkley, because who doesn't love Matt Barkley, Matt right, Frank? Uh, yeah, Matt Barkley's good. But uh, but um, I, I wouldn't mind Teddy Bridgewater. I know Teddy's now out there Teddy uh, be because Miami, I know we'll get into this, but Mike White Mike, signed with Miami. What, two years, so, $10 million? Right. Good so that definitely means that Teddy's looking for somewhere to go, and Teddy's kind of like a Josh Allen in some sense. You know, he has the running ability. He can pass when he wants to. You know, he just got hurt this season yeah. when he took over for Tua, which he can't really control because their offensive line sucks. Like, capital... S-U-C-K-S. Sucks! All right, Dan, you ready for this? Oh, sure. We have a frequent listener and also frequent caller from the Queen City. It is Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith, Mr. you are Smith. on the air, my friend. Wowie, wow, wow. You know what time it is. It's time for On and Off the Field, one of the most underrated shows in all of the United States airwaves, I don't care. People have morning shows. People have this, have that. But this bright, shining star is being overlooked. But I'm not going to overlook it. I, I listened to the hype man, Dan the Man. You know, I've fallen in. The Dan starts going, and I want to hear everything he says. So <laughs> you guys are inspiring me. I love everything you're talking about today. I, I won't drag it out. What I need, what the NFL needs, what you need, what every team needs, what every kicker needs, every receiver needs, every running back needs, every quarterback needs in the NFL. Hold on for this. Better train referees. <laughs> if I watch one more game where the refs get a call wrong, talk about insurrection. It's going to be Houston. We're going to have a big problem. The game is evolving. Helmets have evolved. Attitudes have evolved. Standards have evolved for the coaches and the staff. But the referees are in day evolution. They're going backwards. (laughs) What are you doing? Can you see? Do you need a seeing eye dog for that play? What are you (laughs) talking about? What are they doing to me? I have had near collapses in my house because of the calls. I don't mind some good football, but how can you have good football without good referees? Well, it's nearly impossible. So the NFL and the owners and everybody, as they say in the hood, need to get on this and make sure the – why is everybody 47 and over? 
Where's a 21-year-old ref? Where's a 19 Where's a 30-year-old ref who can see and who doesn't have cataracts? I need some. <laughs> I need help, gentlemen. I love you guys. And when I turn that radio on, I, I kid you not. They say it's 2023 and people stop believing in magic. I haven't stopped because it's almost magical when I turn my radio on and it's set to on and off the field. Peace. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Smith. Love the passion. As always, bringing it that, uh, hey, you know what, Dan? You bring the juice on the air, but Mr. Smith on the airwaves brings just as equally as much, and it's good to hear. And I'll second that about the referees, man. It's There's nothing worse than when you have a tough, hard-fought-played game, and then it just comes down to, to that. Like, you oh, know, yeah. Saints-Rams NFC Championship, like, just... It's terrible, and we had that uh, conversation last week, too, with the NHL, the kick goal. So right. just in general, whether it's football or any sporting event, there's nothing worse than when you have a hard-fought game, close, competitive, and then only for it to get decided by the referees. So. I, I get really worried, and Tanner, I know I'm going to go after your sport for a minute, the NBA, but I know how some players get technicals whenever they say something. You know, just mm-hmm. just something random you don't hear, and they look at the ref like, "Huh? What? It's, what do you mean?" It's bad in the NBA right now. Yeah, like I I get worried that that's going to happen to the NFL just because the attitudes are evolving, the trash talk is evolving, like a lot of things that probably prior refs haven't had to deal with as much is now coming to light, and. I'm going to feel very, like, if I just see Deion Dawkins get thrown out of a game or Shaq Lawson get thrown out of a game because of one thing they said, one word, I'm going to be so ticked. Well, I mean, shoot, you can't even spit in the direction of of officiating without getting a fine. You can't throw the ball at them anymore. Yeah, like, you can't. It, it's crazy to think that, you know, the refs are so bad. I mean, I, I hope. I, I know Goodell loves the refs but Goodell as a New York native you need to know that most people in New York find your decision absolutely stupid thank you all right (laughs) there you go that's uh, Dan's Double D's rant for the day on officiating. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll start uh, talking about some signings and trades going on around the NFL. Some of our uh, division rivals for both you know, the, uh, the Bills and Frank's Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been busy today, so we'll talk about both those uh, divisions and some of the moves that rival teams of ours are making. So stick around for more of that on the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBN. Why? Takes a return pass. Panera near circle. Far circle pass. Blocked in front. Oh, look at him. Down on the ice. And he covers up. Holy moly. What a goalie. Yuko Pekalukinen right there. And a key part of this hockey game. Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. And I know we've moved off, you know, the NHL and talking about the Sabres, but I would be doing a disservice if I didn't include that clip right there of Uko Pekalukin and sick save in the third period against the Rangers on the power play. That's one of the best calls I've heard all year this year from Dan Dunleavy. Holy moly, what a goalie, Uko Pekalukin. <laughs> yeah. That was insane. Like, hey, you know what? No disrespect to RJ, but... 
that's 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 goat tier right there from Dan Dunleavy. But anyways, let's get back into some uh, NFL news because it's going crazy right now, and we have a couple trades to talk about, especially one of interest to the Bills because it was made by our division rivals, the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Ramsey was traded over the weekend. There had been talks. I might have even mentioned on the show at one point that I thought Jalen Ramsey was going to Miami. Well, I spoke it into existence. If that's the case, it happened. The Dolphins acquired cornerback Jalen Ramsey from the Los Angeles Rams, and the Rams acquired the 77th overall pick in the NFL draft, a third-round pick, as well as tight end Hunter Long. And if you don't know who that is, which is probably a lot of uh, NFL fans, he's going into his third season out of Boston College, was a third-round pick in the 2021 NFL draft. He has one career catch for eight yards. And yeah. you know what? People might be uh, might be hating on the Dolphins here, but uh, you know what? I'm not happy about this by any means, but I, good for them in the sense they didn't overpay based on Jalen Ramsey's pedigree. Some, uh, probably the majority of NFL fans would say they got a steal here, but they did not overpay based on pedigree. But I thought Jalen Ramsey's pedigree alone would get them more than that. Maybe like a second, a first perhaps, but nope, a third round pick and a tight end who has one career catch for eight yards. I personally think that, you know, even with that said that I thought his pedigree would net them more than it did. Even with that said, I think Ramsey is the most overrated player in the NFL. His stats last year, and this is according to Alex Barth, who is a uh, Patriots reporter for 98.5 The Sports Hub out there in Boston. Quarterbacks targeting Jalen Ramsey last year were 56 of 86, which is a 65.1% completion percentage, 712 yards, 7 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, a 98.6 passer rating, and Ramsey had 11 PBUs and 6 penalties. I think he hasn't really looked that great dating back to the Rams' Super Bowl run. Just looks like he's not the same all-pro that he was from 2017 to 2021. Maybe he's lost a bit of a step, but still, having Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard in the same secondary... That's got to be that's got to be Josh Allen's dream considering he's made a career out of cooking both of those defensive backs but in all seriousness they were already versatile on the back end with Xavier Howard and Javon Holland but having Jalen Ramsey in there gives them kind of that added layer of versatility even if he's not quite the all pro that he was from 2017 to 2021 still a good player but uh, what were your guys thoughts on this trade <laughs> Miami tries so hard and they'll never get there. Oh, that great trade. Great. Yeah, you're you're stuck with $20 million on your cap for a guy who will probably probably be either A hurt or B burnt all the time. Uh I I don't like Jalen Ramsey. Darren, we talked about this uh when we were talking about the Rams before the season opener and Man, we we went off at Jalen Ramsey, and that stays the same. Uh, that that will never change. And I think I I agree with your point that he's overrated. Um, he he's an okay corner. I would like to think he's he's decent. He's top ten in the league. But Trey White is better. Come at me. Uh, but Miami is just trying to do whatever they can in their power to stop this high powered offense. Do they do they not remember what what the Bills did to Jalen Ramsey on opening night? 
five for six, 108 yards and a touchdown. That doesn't seem like a corner who can cover Stephon Diggs. I, I don't know about that one. Uh, but, you know, Miami, good job. I, I You know, you put yourself in a deeper hole. Congratulations. You did absolutely nothing to scare me. You'll still be number two in the, in the AFC East. They try so hard, but instead of number two, they're going to be number three. Oh! They, I mean, Jalen Ramsey can't stay on the field right now. He gets, what, one pick, and it's not even on him, on his defensive prowess. He just gets one pick lucky in the middle of the field. I'm back. <laughs> You're back from what, bud? Being mid? <laughs> <laughs> this signing, I don't think it instills fear in anyone. It shouldn't instill fear in the AFC East at all. And I think the Dolphins are going to be at number three and st- uh, stuck there. Hey, you know what, Dan? You mentioned that uh, you don't think he could hold Stephon Diggs. Uh, what did what did Jalen Ramsey do in week one against the Bills? He got targeted seven times, let up six receptions for 124 yards, two touchdowns, a perfect passer rating of 158.3. So, like I said, man, Josh Allen has got to be licking his chops that he gets to face these guys twice a, twice a year. The only thing they have is name value. Now, this is probably going to come back to bite me for me saying this. like, But you know what? I don't care. I'm going to say it. Not going to matter. Like I said, Josh Allen's made a career out of cooking both these guys, and it's not going to change. Not to mention that... Uh, Josh Allen also has a pretty good track record against Vic Fangio coach defenses in his career. So we got that going for us, too. It's just the perfect storm. So uh, we have that to look forward to next year. Now, there was another pretty big trade that took place after we got done on Friday. Evan was like, oh, man, because I was with him after the show on Friday. He's like, I wish this news would have broke during the show. And I'm like, no, it broke at a good time. So now I have more to talk about on Monday because I'm out here <laughs> fiending for content. So anything, any break I get to go my way, I'll take it. But the Chicago Bears, Bear Down, and the Carolina Panthers agreed to a trade. The Panthers receive the numero uno, number one overall pick, and the Bears, they got quite a haul, let me tell you. The ninth overall pick in this draft, the 61st overall pick in the draft, the second rounder, a 2024 first-round draft pick, 2025 second-round pick, and the crown jewel of it all, wide receiver DJ Moore. So my thoughts on this trade, it's good to see the Bears committing to my boy, Bustin Fields. And if you're new here, you don't know the reference, I call him Bustin Fields. Not because I think he's a draft bust. I think he's actually going to be a very fine player in the NFL. He's already shown that he can be explosive, very dangerous with his legs. But now that he's got some capable receivers, he's going to start to show that arm talent next year. But I call him Bustin, not because I think he's going to be a draft bust, because when he's busting out of that pocket with his legs, he's getting nothing but big gainers. So it's good to see the Bears committing to Bustin, Justin Fields, because there's some speculation maybe that do you take a quarterback at number one and move Fields, but they have uh, now all but solidified that they're not going to do that. So this trade right here, man, you bring in, a wide receiver who's 25 years old, is going to be 26 at the start of the season, is under contract through the 2025 season. He's gone over 1,000 yards in three of his five NFL seasons. Last year kind of had you know, a down year by his standards, had 63 catches on 118 targets, 888 receiving yards, the lowest total that he's had in a season since his rookie year. 
but he did have a career-high seven touchdown receptions. So, and this bolsters a Chicago receiving core that had its struggles last year. Bears pair. Uh, pass catchers, excuse me, were the least productive in the NFL in terms of catches with 223, yards with 2,598, and they were tied for 27th in touchdowns with 19. Darnell Mooney, he only played 12 games last year. He's a player I like a lot, but he only played 12 games, had 61 targets, 40 catches, 493 yards, two touchdowns. Those were all career lows. Chase Claypool, in seven games played for the Bears, had 29 targets, only 14 catches for 140 yards. So you add DJ Moore to bolster that group, and they still have a chance to add a blue-chip prospect with the ninth overall pick, depending on how the board falls. And they have $75 million in cap space to fill the remaining holes on the roster, which some of they've used today. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, depending on, and also depending on who the Panthers take and how, you know, assuming it's a quarterback and how they adjust to the NFL, that 2024 first that they picked up, that could end up being a top 10 pick. I saw someone half joking, but also half not joking on Twitter. What if that pick turns into the number one overall pick and they trade down again? So I've done enough talking about this trade. What are your guys' thoughts on this, uh, this blockbuster? Frank Reich does not care about your franchise. He will blow the team up wherever he goes because he wants the team he wants. He doesn't care about DJ Moore. He doesn't care about the number nine. He doesn't care about the number 61. He doesn't care about layer picks. He wants a team that's actually his for once. That he can actually draft a good quarterback and doesn't have to be stuck with an old man who found his way out of the homeless shelter. I, I, I mean... Frank Reich deserves the number one overall pick. He finally gets to taste a QB with promise that isn't like 38 years old with a huge contract on his back. Um, I I love this move for Carolina. I love the move for the Bears. I mean, the Bears get an amazing underrated number one wide receiver who all he's been missing is a good quarterback. Uh, And, you know, if... Justin Fields or Bustin Fields can capitalize on it. it. It can definitely be an explosive offense. Just think, you got DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, and Cole Komet. That can be a very dangerous young receiving core. I think they're all under 25 or 26. I, I mean, that's how young they are. Uh, it, and... That can be really good for the future, and it definitely starts to put it in your mind. If Fields doesn't work with, you know, Moore and uh, Mooney and Claypool, is he really your franchise QB? So this is really the test year for Fields now. Uh, You know, last year was a good, I think, stone to put in the wall, but now you need to build the rest of the wall. And, and solidify yourself as the franchise QB. But Frank Reich, I love you. I hope you get the, the quarterback you deserve. Uh, you, you've had too many good years to be stuck in Indy and now to be out there and have the number one overall pick. You're on the clock, buddy. On the clock, but you know what I hear? Absolutely nothing. Bank of America Stadium is silent. Carolina Panthers are a poverty team. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is coming from a Bucks fan. You know what they're going to do with that first round, with the first number one pick? They're going to trade out of it. They're going to go around, they're going to shop it, 
and they're going to find some ridiculous trade. Because even if they even if they do stick with the pick, and they get what C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Who is he throwing the ball to? Who's protecting him? Who's he going to hand it off to? No one. The Panthers team is depleted. There is no one on that team of substance or talent or value. Frank Reich might be one of the greatest head coaches of all time, but there's nothing for him in Carolina. I think this trade is awful for Carolina. Chicago, Boston makes me feel good. Boston Fields. There you go. (laughs) Let's, I mean, Chicago, they could win the NFC North. I mean, I think Detroit wins it, but. Wow, you're, wow. We haven't even gotten to that part of the year yet. Man, you're already making hot takes on that. I mean, look at the NFC North. I don't it's, think he's wrong. Vikings depleted. Vikings are True. It's still still in cap. H you know double what? hockey sticks. Yeah. yeah. Detroit, a brink on a playoff berth last year on the team that they have. I think they're going to get better. I think they do get better. Packers, I mean, not you know, Jordan loves your quarterback, so you know. Oh, we don't know that for sure. It's for sure, and um. <laughs> I mean, and the Bears with their new explosive offense, you get DJ Moore, who I think has been an underrated wide receiver for the past two seasons, and I think I did not like playing him. I always think he's been a great wide receiver, so I think Chicago getting him. I think the Bears could be a sneaky wild card team to look forward to. I agree with that. Yeah. It's at the least, wild card, if not uh, division champs. Bring but... back the double doink, double doink round two. Absolutely. No. Not. How dare you? <laughs> no, not to this, not to this team, man. No, Bears they fans don't... have, Bears fans have been through enough strife with their franchises' existence. I just opened up need... a whole <laughs> level of hurt for them. Yeah, that was unnecessary shade towards <laughs> Bears fans. Not that there's a lot of Bears fans in our listening range, but still, unnecessary uh, shots fired right there. Now, Frank made a point. He was not just pulling this out of his rear end. Apparently, the Panthers are considering trading this pick down. This was reported by three separate sources, ESPN, The Athletic, and The Charlotte Observer. And I just, frankly, I don't understand. Why would you trade up? And lose all of those picks and DJ Moore just to trade down. Like, why would you trade up to number one if you weren't a hundred percent sure you knew who you were gonna take? The Colts. Who doesn't love a good little bit of drama, a good little bit of uh, mayhem? Jim Mercy. <laughs> uh, we we all know that guy. That owner we all know very well because we talked about him so much this year. Michael Pittman. I have that feeling like it could happen. I, I, I know there would have to be more picks involved, but I would feel like Frank liked Michael Pittman in some way. And I wouldn't be shocked if he wanted to get some of his old guys back that, you know, he liked in Indy and said, hey, why don't you come to the Panthers with me? I could show you around. Ah, you See, you got the stadium. You got a Panther. Looks great on you. Uh, but I, I could definitely see that. Number one and Jim Irsay being okay with saying, okay, bye, Michael. Have fun in Carolina with Frank. See ya. Push him out the door. Uh, but I, I think that may be the move, especially with a, you know, you're, you're going to be either number one or number four. Doesn't really impact you that much. I, I mean, maybe a little just because you would know the Colts is taking, are taking a QB and most likely Houston is taking a QB. So you would have the third best QB in that draft. I, I, I'm not arguing about it. 
do you think they do just a, a straight up swap, just first pick for like the third or second pick? I don't think no team does a straight swap anymore. It would have to have something exclusive in it, like a second or you know next year's first. So, especially we looked in the past for the number one overalls, like number ones for number twos. Just that one pick switch. There's still like a lot added in with like picks for next year and you know first rounders next year. So there there's probably more than just a straight up one for two or one for three if they do decide to hold on to the pick i can completely understand why so frank reich can uh, make it so he doesn't have a different opening day quarterback five years in a row like he did for uh for indianapolis so that was that now i want to get into some buccaneer news here before uh, we get into the break. So, Frank, here we go. Now's your time to shine, my guy. The first thing I saw was a report yesterday from Ian Rappaport that when free agency begins, which is right now, essentially, the Bucks are expected to target ex-Rams quarterback Baker Mayfield as their potential starting quarterback option per Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo, which uh, would provide some competition for Kyle Trask, the former second-round pick who the team likes a lot as Tampa Bay plots a life without Tom Brady. So I'll start out here, and then uh, I'll turn it over to you, Frank, and give your thoughts on this. The early indication is that uh, he'd be in favor of that. You heard the claps there, but... You know, with Baker Mayfield, he kind of struggled to stay on the field a little bit in Carolina. He played seven games, started six of them, went one and five in those games, completed 119 of 206 passes, 57.8% completion percentage, had 1,313 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions. The numbers improved slightly on the Rams, five games, four starts, one and three in those games. The team was depleted, though, by injury by the time he got there, completed 82 of 129 passes for 63.6% completion percentage, which is you know, somewhat impressive when you take into account that he wasn't throwing to, you know, Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. He's throwing to Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek. So there was that. He had 850 yards through the air, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and uh, that was his uh, season last year. So should the Bucks go after him? I think that would be a nice buy-low option. Obviously, you know, the Buccaneers are in a bit of a situation right now with their cap space. They wouldn't have to break the bank for a guy like him, and he would immediately come in and have two great wide receivers, you know, a good young running back in Rashad White, pass catching back. I still think, you know, he has something to give. He's got a good arm, you know, still relatively accurate. So, Frank, you seemed uh, like you're on board with that idea. You'd like to see uh, Buccaneer Baker? Bring me Baker to Raymond James right now. There is no other quarterback on the market that I like more than Baker. I've been a fan of Baker since 2018 when he was on the Browns. Brought him to the playoffs for the first time in what? Ever? So, <laughs> and his stats aren't terrible. Yeah, he may have some a little bit of an injury uh, issue right now, but like, he's, I think he can prove himself in Tampa with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, we still have Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, our running back game, even though we have Leonard Fournette anymore, Rashad White's still there. He's an impressive season. I think he has a breakout season this year. And if we are able to just fix the offensive line, which has been the issue, I think the defense can step up. I'm not worried about them. If the O-line, if we can just get some more pieces and fix that and solidify that, 
I think with Baker, this team comes out the NFC South as division champs for sure. Hmm. Well, uh, in regards to fixing the offensive line, I mean, they did release Donovan Smith, which is addition by subtraction. So <laughs> well, I never talked about that. Uh, best move they've made so far. Just a penalty machine. He can't stay on the right side of the ball. I mean, I'm so ha- I love him, but so happy he's gone. Yeah, that's that's fair. Dan, you got anything to say about uh, the Baker Mayfield Bucks pursuing Baker Mayfield? Why would anybody want Baker Mayfield when the goat Nathan Peterman is out there? Oh, stop with this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, oh, who doesn't? Nathan Peterman looked amazing in that last game of the season. Come on. Who wouldn't want them as that, their starter? Or or I could even go worse. Go go back to the Jets and bring Todd Bowles and Sam Darnold together for a reunion. Oh, 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 oh that would be even worse. Uh, because we all know how much Sam Darnold hated uh, playing with Todd Bowles. Uh, you see that as door right coach. there? I can walk right through that door and leave. <laughs> hey, that's okay with me. <laughs> that damn. <dude. laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I would think instead of Baker, and the only reason I say this, I would rather have a cheaper guy in Taylor Heineke. I like Taylor Heineke. He he has the rushing upside. He can pass really well. Um, He's got that dog in him. He's got right. That absolute dog in him. Uh, uh, you know, unlike Baker, where sometimes he misses things. You know, we we saw that with the OBJ highlight misreal uh, <laughs> uh, back when OBJ was still around. But I definitely could think that Heineke gets maybe a prove it deal. Um, you know, just a one year try it out, or you can sign both of them, have them fight it out in the preseason, and then pick one for uh, the start, and then you could switch if one of them goes bad. I don't, I don't hate that at all. I personally would put Minshew over Heineke, but also I'm just a Minshew maniac. So there you go. But like Heineke on a prove it deal, I would, I would not be against that at all. I think that's going to be what they do regardless. Whoever they go after is going to be some type of prove-it deal, whether it's Baker or Heineke or Minshew. So, you know, if it works out, good for them. But if not, that still leaves the door open for Kyle Trask season. So there you go. And uh, we got more Tampa Bay news coming up, or at least one other thing that I want to talk about coming out of the break. But we got to go to break first. So stick around for more of the Blitz here on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the mandatory Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We'll be back in just a moment here. Kind of as the driver of this style defense is being able to get pressure on the quarterback on the outside. Rodgers airing it out. That's Dobbs who's got a first down. You might be wondering why I just played a random clip of a Romeo Dobbs first down catch. I just need some. I needed some highlight of Aaron Rodgers. I didn't care which. I just needed (laughs) an Aaron Rodgers highlight because we might have just gotten a potential bomb dropped here. 
by Trey Wingo. He tweeted, hearing Rodgers to the Jets is done. History about to repeat itself between New York and Green Bay. Time is indeed a flat circle. There's been no terms released. It hasn't been reported by Schefter or Rappaport or anyone like that. Not to say that Trey Wingo isn't a credible source because, you know, he's involved in NFL circles. But we might have some breaking news by the, uh, the end of the show regarding Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, one, why do I hate being in this division so much? You know, you had to deal with Tom Brady for so many years, and now we got to deal with Rodgers if it's true. But the more surprising thing is that it came out on the first day of free agency that he got traded. Who who put that on their bingo list, that the man who takes forever to announce everything gets traded on the first day of free agency when everything's happening? Um I, you know, I, I think the AFC East just becomes tougher. If Robert Sawe does not have a winning season with Aaron Rodgers as his QB, he needs to be fired immediately. Uh, there, there's no other way to say it. Uh, but, you know, there's been rumors about Tom Brady coming back and playing for Miami. I would love to see this division go to Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady with Miami, and the the, the fourth best quarterback, Mac Jones. It's like having, it's like <laughs> having, <Jones. laughs> like having three men and a baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I I was saying this during the break. Uh, I I would love to see Drew Brees come out of retirement. Now the the possibilities of that happening are like slim to none. But I would love to see Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers with the Jets, Tom Brady with Miami, Drew Brees with the Patriots. That would just be crazy. I I would I it would be like playoffs. Every week you you would face one of your division rivals. I I mean, it would just I think it would bring that like I don't know, it would just bring more excitement. I think there would be more respect to the AFC East more than there is now. What do you mean Josh Allen versus Tua turn the ball over isn't Prime I, I know it is like prime time worthy stuff, but um, I I definitely think that you know for the Jets that this is the this is the move. I I guess the the CJ uh, or not CJ Gardner, sorry Sauce Gardner, voodoo magic of burning the cheese hat worked. It worked. I don't know what spirits it conjured up, how much darkness it brought into Aaron Rodgers' retreat. I don't know these things of what the effects happen when you burn a cheese hat. I don't know if it just makes a random Packers fan cry. Um, it, it's questionable at this point. But uh, even Garrett Wilson is so, so so happy. He's like, y'all should see the smile on me right now. Like, I I, I mean, the, the Jets core group has worked together to somehow pull Aaron Rodgers away from the grips of the Green Bay Packers and says, you don't need more beer, buddy. Why don't you come to New York? Oh, I hit my mic and spun it around. This is an all-time clip now. Um, but bring you to the Big Apple. Uh, Again, Street Dog. I mean, man, I, 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 can't, I, I can't fathom this, especially on the first day of free agency. Uh, well, you know what, Dan? That was that was lovely and all that uh, 
that little uh, spiel there. But I have to put a damper on it because Ian Rappaport did just tweet moments oh, ago. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, you're kidding. It's, it's real. <laughs> he, you... he tweeted, nothing has happened as of right now between Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Well, he reported that live on NFL Network, and then he uh, – quote tweeted that and said i wish it did i wish something had happened but nothing has happened although it will keep come an on eye. man we'll keep an eye on it though we'll I keep an eye I don't, trey wingo's been on top of this the whole time so and I don't, I don't think i don't think wings would just go out and just spew this out into the world that's what i'm thinking too i'm thinking if there's smoke there's fire so and if there's players tweeting about it if garrett wilson's showing his love for this there has to be listen, something the sauce gods are on the jets side reading rap reports a hater it's it's happening Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet it's it's real it's not official but I would say it's real in my even Sauce Gardner tweeted out four minutes ago hey man say man Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall Mm. just like laughing and crying at the same time with those emojis well, I got Twitter wide open, so if it uh, if it breaks by the end of the show, we'll be the first people to know about it. So I want to get back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Frank's beloved, but he is the, he's a little upset with them right now because of this next thing that I wanted to talk about. So the Buccaneers are expected to release probably their third best offensive lineman maybe you can make the argument between him and Ryan Jensen but either way a very good you know offensive lineman Shaq Mason if they can't find a trade partner for him and uh, Frank I know that one hurt a little bit why are we putting this out there what are we doing I mean what's going on <laughs> he was the one credible offensive lineman we had all season and now we're gonna shop him and if we can't find a reliable trade partner we're just gonna release him why is that news you want out in the world? What are we doing? You don't want to let everyone else know, hey, if you're not going to trade for him, have him in a few weeks when we cut him. <laughs> Why? If you can't find a trade partner, don't let the world know you're going to get rid of him. I mean, this team is I still have faith, but it's these little things like this that happen with the Glazers and just everyone in that. that ooh. Tampa just makes <laughs> Woo! Oh, you Tampa can just, tell he's getting upset now. Just... The one thing, the one issue that we've had, even when even when we won the Super Bowl, the one issue was the offensive line. And we still can't find a way to fix it. And now we're going to get rid of the one guy who is decent enough to at least make an impact. It's insane. And it's hurt. It's hurtful. Yep. If they uh, they cut Shaq Mason, the line's not looking too good. As it stands right now, you've got left tackle Josh Wells. Nice. Left guard, Nick Leverett, who I'm pretty sure was a rookie last season. Ryan Jensen, so at least he's good. Uh, right guard, be a big old hole if they cut Shaq Mason. It'd probably be either Robert Hainsey or Brandon Walton. I do not do not know who the latter is, just I'm going to be honest. And then Tristan Wirth, so there you go, the uh, the bookend tackle. But outside of that, if they were to cut Shaq Mason, it's, it's looking tough. Isn't Josh Wells a free agent? I don't believe so. Unless he is, then I'm just going to start crying on air real quick. He is. He, on uh, spot track. At least I have Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, yeah, he might need to play both tackle positions <laughs> at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Clones himself. Just I'm playing both sides if now. We, if we can find a way to clone Tristan Wirfs and just put four of them on a line. I'll <laughs> there you go. You have four Tristan Wirfs and one Ryan Jensen in the middle. That would be, that would be a unit. But, That's uh, it. That's a scary line right there. Hey, maybe with the money that they save from cutting Shaq Mason, they can invest in cloning technology to make that happen. 
So, other free agency news around the NFL. Deron Payne got Deron paid over the weekend. He agreed to a four-year, $90 million contract extension with the Washington Commanders. We're just going to speed run this here real quick, except for this one, since this one concerns uh, one of our division rivals, the New York Jets. In not Aaron Rodgers-related news, re-signed linebacker Quincy Williams to a three-year, eighteen million dollar extension. That's a that's a pretty fair price because he's he's a good player, man. He can fly around. Obviously, him and his brother, you know, are a, a force to be reckoned with on that side of the ball. But Dan, do you have any thoughts when you saw this one? Not much, not much to say. I I, I think it pretty much speaks for itself. All right, there you go. <laughs> Quincy Williams back to the Jets on a... Uh, I don't care. The, the brothers? I don't Come care. on. I this, don't this, care. This Jets team oh, well, is Dan, issue Dan never, yeah, He never wants to give the Jets flowers. I don't even. give Jets good things. I still think their defense is like... Really? Nah, Dan. Mid. Come, n- mid. That's not... No. Mid you defense. You can't sit here and say the defense is I, mid. I said their defense is it mid, and the, I mean that with all respect. Jeez, Dan, if you're going to criticize one part of the Jets team, the defense should be the last area. Dan, I love your hot takes. I love them. But this is ridiculous. God, this, is, this is a scorching take. Like, this is insane. Oh, that is just – Dan, you're making me defend an AFC East team. Come on, man. <laughs> That's the point. Make you guys look like the- – How dare you. <laughs> You want to defend the Jets? Five. They were the fifth. They allowed the fifth fewest yards in the NFL total. Third fewest passing yards in the NFL. Let's see, how about rushing? All right, the rushing defense was about middle of the pack, but they were at least one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. Like their defense is not mid. Their defense is far from mid. Hey, Sauce Gardner, about to hit that sauce sophomore slump. How dare you? Did you just say <laughs> sophomore slump? Yeah. Listen, it's about to be Sauce Gardner and Bryce Hall season. It's Dude, they literally have the best cornerback duo in the – well, well yeah, no, I'll stand on that. Even with Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard now in the division, I'll say the Jets have the best cornerback duo with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Yeah. Like, people people don't understand how good – I mean – Probably the best young – because Xavier Howard, group. he's been around for a little bit now, yeah. and he's like... Well, same with Ramsey, I mean... Yeah, they're both not... They're both fine. Yeah. But you got Defensive Rookie of the Year. Well, and, Defensive Rookie of the Year doesn't mean everything. It literally means everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he's looking at me like I'm a psycho. <laughs> and look at the competition he had from Tariq Woolen. I mean, Woolen was right on his tail, so it does, it does mean a lot. at the end of the season. Oh, Dan's just being a, a Jets hater, which is fair because they're an it's AFC fair. East team. But still, at the same time, it's also it's also a little bit asinine. Now, Frank, we got to talk about your friends in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons, because they have been going to work today, man. So they started out. Well, actually, they started out trading a seventh-round pick to the New England Patriots for Jonu Smith. And I know you probably don't want to hear me pontificate about your division rival, but uh, I kind of like that trade for them. Arthur Smith reunites with uh, with one of his friends from Tennessee. I mean, they they got to have, like, the most just athletic tight end group in the NFL. I mean, you've got these two big athletic tight ends, Jonu Smith. I mean, you know, he can run up there with the best of tight ends. You know, he's got the run-after catchability. Like, he didn't get a lot of opportunity out there in New England, 
but I feel like people forget the caliber of player that Jonu Smith was um, in Tennessee before he went over to New England. The Falcons also re-signed guard Chris Lindstrom to a five-year, $105 million extension. Good for them. They uh, locked up their best offensive lineman, and they also signed defensive tackle David Onyemata away from the New Orleans Saints. So does that worry you at all, seeing the, the Falcons, at least uh, the acquisitions? I mean... I'm a big Jonu Smith fan. When when the Patriots went inside him, like that one wacky offseason where Bill Pelichek was just handing out checks yeah. every single day. Yeah. When they signed Jonu Smith, I was like, oh, that's a guy. That's a guy, and the Patriots made a signing. And so, I mean, having Kyle Pitts and now Jonu Smith join that team, even if Desmond Ritter's throwing them the ball, dotting them up. I mean, the Falcons, if they just keep, you know, they have the cap and they have the uh, – they have the picks, and I think they can go out and just make a few more splashes, and they could be a decent team. I'm not saying they're going to be good, but they if give them a few years, I think they could be a decent team coming out of the NFC. Yeah, I mean, this straight for Jonu Smith, we all knew what he can do uh, when he was with Tennessee, and if he can rejuvenate himself, and they can run a two-tight end system, which could really knock your socks off. Uh I think that was the initial thought with New England uh, until they realized they had Matt Jones throwing the ball. Then they're like, ah, we actually have to block for this guy or else he's not going to make a throw at all. But, but Terry, you didn't even met, mention the, the most dangerous signing of them all by Atlanta. Did I miss something? Bradley Pinnon. Oh, punter. The news. punter. All right, there we go. He's no. going to pin the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the five. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That was the one. Frank's like, Chris Lindstrom, okay, whatever. Offensive lineman. Jonu Smith, okay, he's a good tight end, but doesn't really move the needle much. David Onyemata, whatever. Bradley Pinion, uh, shoot, here we go. He's one of the best punters in the league. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. There's just one more weapon in the arsenal out there in Atlanta. So I guess we'll go in chronological order. I've just been trying to take these down as I see them. The Bears, we mentioned, you know, they made a a big body maneuver on Friday afternoon with the DJ Moore trade, trading down from the number one overall pick. And now they have allocated some of that $75 million in cap space that they had. They gave linebacker T.J. Edwards, formerly of the runner-up in the NFL, Philadelphia Eagles. They signed him to a three-year, $19.5 million contract. That's honestly not bad. Like, I thought the Bills could have gone out and given him that kind of money as maybe a Tremaine Edmonds replacement. That was somebody that I uh, may or may not have had in mind as a Tremaine Edmonds replacement. I mean, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. Like, he doesn't have the same range that Tremaine does. But, you know, from what I've seen, he takes good angles to the ball, you know, you know, he's uh, fairly decent in coverage, good at covering, you know, high-low concepts like that. Dan, was that somebody uh, you had in mind? Because I know you did your uh, free agency predictions for the Bills. Did you have them looking at uh, T.J. Edwards to fill the Tremaine Edmonds void, assuming he leaves? There is no tra- Tremaine Edmonds void. There never will be. There's nobody like Tremaine Edmonds. All, all this is was, I, I think... That's right. That's why there's a void, because there's no one else <laughs> like it. Uh, but I... I just think that this I, – I wasn't even looking at him, to be honest. I, I was not even – he wasn't even on my board. Um, I think this is a good marker to say what linebackers should be paid. I mean, three three years, $21 million. 
That's seven million a year. That's uh, on my prediction. I I had the Bills resign Tremaine Edmonds for six years, eighty four million dollars, which is fourteen million a year. Mm-hmm. I I definitely think Tremaine's worth it, and I think that's a good number for him. But if that number goes down, just because of the rest of the linebackers are signing cheaper deals, I'm okay with that. Uh, I I definitely think that the Bengals get to keep a really key uh, a key piece of their defense. Uh, not like their defense was already hurting. You know they they still have a lot of cap space. They can still make moves to make it better if they need to. Um, but it just keeps them da- dangerous for the time being until they have to pay both Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, I was talking about T.J. Edwards on the not the on the Bears, not Jermaine. Oh, on the oh the Philly guy. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, I got confused. Uh, I I think the uh, the Bears made a great accusation. I mean, Philly's just gonna keep on getting hit with all these people leaving their top defense, but that's what happens when you make it to the Super Bowl uh, and have like the number one defense. It, this year, and um, I can definitely see some of them going to Arizona to re- reunite with Gannon. Um, but I, I definitely the the Eagles' defense is not going to be the same that it was last year by mm-hmm. any means. No, you're right about that, and did the same thing for Jermaine Pratt apply. That's not something yeah, you had on the radar for exactly. Because yeah, was- no, I got confused on the names. My bad. Yeah, that was another linebacker signing, Jermaine Pratt, staying with Cincinnati on a three-year, $21 million deal. And you mentioned that Eagles defense. They lost not only T.J. Edwards, who was their starting middle linebacker, but they lost a a big piece in the middle. Javon Hargrave went to the San Francisco 49ers, defensive tackle on a four-year, $80 million contract. And this is just, this is crazy because the 49ers already had the best defense in the NFL last year. And then you add Javon Hargrave, who might have gotten overlooked looked on that Eagles defense just because they had so many players, you know, that can on that defensive line that could get to the quarterback, you know, guys like Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, the rookie Jordan Davis. So Javon Hargrave, you know, might have gotten overlooked a little bit, but he's a great player. So the 49ers are just absolutely loaded on that side of the ball, man. How we let this happen every year, every year, this, the 49ers get better somehow uh, on defense. Like they don't need it. They don't. I, I I mean, it's a great signing, but they don't need it. <laughs> I I mean that that was I I mean that's your really your replacement for who's uh, DeForest Buckner's in Indy, right? They yep. traded him oh, away. Yeah. He's the defensive tackle. That's kind of your replacement now for the long time. I think they had that hole for the the little bit, and they wanted to finally fill it back up again. And now you got this guy who. Proved that he can get to the quarterback in any way he wants to. Uh, he he is just a dangerous, dangerous man. And the one thing I have to say, good luck, NFC. I don't have to worry about him for uh, uh, quite some time because we only face San Francisco once every four years. Mm-hmm. And not to mention you add him into a front seven that features Nick Bosa. Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Like, they are just, they're stacked on defense. It's disgusting. Who's the Hufunga? Hufunga, yep, the strong safety. 
I mean, that team is. I mean, Traverius Ward had a really good season at corner. Yeah, they are. They are disgusting. They should. Be, I think they should be the locks for coming out of the NFC for sure. Right. I would agree with you. I mean, because yeah, depending to figure, on the QB. I think. Well, either way, I mean, how can you fail in a Kyle Shanahan offense where your playmakers are Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, who's one of the best route runners in the NFL. You've got an all-world left tackle in Trent Williams. They did take a hit. They lost Mike McGlinchey, but still, no matter who they stick in there, they're set up for success. Like, I could probably go in there, and we're going at least, like, 9-8 and eight oh, yeah. if I'm the 49ers quarterback. So there's no I don't NFC think... team that's more complete as them. And you, have and to you can figure... say quarterback, but, like, no team is more complete than them right now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you look at um, some of the teams that were up there with them. Um, geez, I'm blanking. Philadelphia, you have to figure they're going to take a step back because they've already lost two starters on defense, and they're probably going to lose more. All the, their personnel. Yep, the Vikings are probably going to take a step back because of you know the players that they've had to cut loose. They're not going 13-4 and four again. So right now I think the 49ers are the uh, the clear cuts to make it out of the, the NFC right now. I would agree right there with you. The Baltimore Ravens released Calais Campbell. Evan, I couldn't tell if he was joking or not, but before the show he was in here and he said, yeah, Bill's bringing him in. I said, we could play him at defensive tackle. <laughs> that, um, we'd have the biggest defensive line, at, at least height-wise. You talk about 6'8", Calais Campbell, 6'7", Gregory Rousseau would be filth. I, I mean, just think about all the old linemen that have to look up and go like, I have to face this guy. <laughs> uh, like they, I, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, you know, I think Coleus Campbell does want to go to a Super Bowl team. Uh, Are you, you saying know, we're not? No, no, Whoa. no, no, no. I, I'm just saying I don't think the Bills would have the interest with the sense that you have Ed, you have uh, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle. I have Phillips coming back because Phillips played really well when he was healthy. Um, You know, that injury just lingered on throughout the whole season, which kept him at bay. But I I think we have one of the best D-tackle groups in the league. I I wouldn't be shocked if we see Calais Campbell in a Chiefs uniform, though. Mm. Won't be shocked. I'm thinking maybe a return back to Saxonville. Mm. Mm. I could see. I could potentially see that happening. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. It just it depends how much he wants, if he's still in it for money, or is he now in it for a ring? Just going to get that ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's now really the major question with him. Or is he just going to retire? No, I think he's got I, I mean, he's talked him. about it for years that he's going he's his his season or his career is coming to an end soon. I I mean, it it really depends. I think where he gets offers from, how much they are. You know, is it with the team that he wants to go to, um, or he could just take a year off. I mean, who knows? He's so old, but he's so accomplished that you know how many more years does he have to play? He's he's most likely gonna make the the uh the Hall of Fame for sure. Um. They're, he is such a dangerous DT, but it's just, it depends. All right, that's going to do it for now. When we come back, we'll continue recapping NFL free agency thus far, including the lone out-of-town signing that the Bills have made thus far. So stick around. We'll have that coming up on the last half hour of the Blitz here on 91.3 
FM. I can't find the cursor again. There it is, WBNY. <laughs> Hurts goes from the best bargain in the NFL to potentially one of the highest paid quarterbacks in mm -hmm. the NFL. He's extension eligible. We've lost Shefty. He is off there working the sources on the phone. He's got the IFBN, so he's somehow <laughs> finding a way to listen to us at the same time. The man is a... Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. I am Tanner Saunders, your host, joined by Frank the Tank Lopez and Dan Dale. We're talking some NFL free agency. I almost said NBA. Not quite there yet, but NFL... Continuing, jumping right back into it, the Denver Broncos have been going wild so far in this uh, legal tampering period. They agreed to a deal with a player who Bill's fans thought might be a potential option for us. Guard Ben Powers signed with the Broncos on a four-year, $52 million deal. They also signed former 49ers right tackle Mike McGlinchey on a five-year, $87.5 million deal. And perhaps the most impactful signing of all for the Denver Broncos, they signed their future starting quarterback, Jarrett Stidham, two years, $10 million. But how about this from the Denver Broncos beefing up that, uh, that offensive line? Yeah, I I mean that was the one thing with the Broncos, uh, how how horrible their offensive line was last season. Um, I I definitely think this is the right move, and Sean Payton's coming out swinging. He he does not care who's in his way. He he is like Donkey Kong. He will throw barrels at whoever it takes to get him on the Broncos, and I I definitely think that this is the right move. Uh, Russell Wilson should be very happy, uh, and man, I I can't wait to see Russ back to old prime running around Russ. My uh, my only thing is, how is Russ gonna see over these dudes? Like Ben Powers <laughs> is six foot four, his left tackle Garrett Bowles is six foot five, and Mike McGlinchey is an absolute mammoth at six foot eight. And of course, we know Russ is five eleven. How's he? He's only gonna be able to read the middle of the field. He can't see over his tackles. Well, well, you know, you do what Kyler Murray did. You look at the the big board behind you to to make sure you see what the play is going on. You're like, oh, okay, I got something down the middle. I can do that. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that's uh, that's been Denver's free agency thus far. And speaking of the AFC West, their divisional foe, the Raiders, they signed a quarterback because Derek Carr, he wasn't getting the job done. So why not go out there and sign Derek Carr 2.0 and Jimmy Garoppolo? So that is exactly what they did. The Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo agreed to a three-year, $67.5 million contract. And if you couldn't tell by my tone there, not a huge fan of this move for the Raiders. It just feels like a pretty lateral move. I mean, I know Jimmy Garoppolo has history with Josh McDaniels working in New England goes back to him as the coach here of the Vegas Raiders so are you guys feeling it more than I am am I just being a, a Debbie Downer here no you're I'm with you it's a completely lateral move I mean I love Derek Carr I love Jimmy G I have them literally the same level as each other I don't think this team got better I don't think it got worse but like there was no improvement at the quarterback position in my eyes I would actually say there's – I, I would say Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Derek Carr. I I have that feeling that when Jimmy G is healthy – now, granted, when he's healthy, he is really, really, really powerful. I mean, remember, not too long ago, he made it to the Super Bowl. 
And he made it to the NFC Championship with Trey Lance right behind him, ready to go whenever. I, I mean, that dude can work with pressure if he wants to. And now to even go to a team that has another great tight end in Darren Waller. Yes, you're going from George Kittle to Darren Waller. Still, you know, not too far down the board is Waller. You now have, I would say, a better wide receiver in Devontae Adams and Debo Samuel. And even Hunter Renfro, I would say, is better than Brandon Ayuk. I, I like this move for the Raiders. And especially that they'll have Josh Jacobs there in some capacity, most likely, either on the franchise tag or with a new deal. They could be really dangerous. I think the main thing for the Raiders now is focus defense. You have one of the worst defenses in the league every year. Even with Chandler Jones signing, you are still really bad. Uh, you you need to get something to change that. Either uh, new corners, new linebackers, new something. Uh, or do everything and rebrand the whole defense. But uh, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo was the right move. For the Raiders. All right, there you go. I uh, I disagree, but only uh, only time will tell. I'm with Frank the Tank on that one. Next, stick. I guess we'll stick in the AFC West again. The Kansas City Chiefs are old foes. We know they've uh, invested a lot into the offensive line over the years. They did that again today. They agreed to a deal with former Jacksonville Jaguars tackle Jawan Taylor on a four-year, eighty million dollar contract. And I've seen conflicting reports. I've seen some people say that uh, Orlando Brown is essentially gone and Jawan Taylor is going to move to left tackle and play left tackle for them. But I've also heard that the Chiefs have had talks about Larmy Tunsil from the Houston Texans, which I have a hard time believing that. I mean, you know, they're already paying Mahomes a boatload of money. They just spent a boatload of money on Jawan Taylor. They, you know, they threw $80 million at Joe Tooney a couple off-seasons ago. So they have some pretty hefty contracts on the roster. And Laramie Tunsil's on the record saying that uh, he wanted to reset the tackle market with his next contract. So I don't know if I buy that. But uh, the Chiefs continuing to go in on offensive line, which as Bills fans, you don't love to see because the problem that we've had, you know, for years with Mahomes in the postseason has haven't been able to get any pressure on him so you know I, I know we have uh, Von Miller but uh, that's not something you like to see because the Chiefs you know they have had one of the best offensive lines in the league for the past couple of years now with Orlando Brown Joe Tooney Creed Humphrey Trey Smith and then you know they've had a revolving door at right tackle but uh, this one kind of you hate to see it as a Bills fan I would say it's just unfair <laughs> yeah, you saw it in the Super Bowl when the Chiefs' O line is hurt. Some of them are gone from COVID, so I think the Bucks did get lucky in the Super Bowl was that O line. But when the season started up, the, the Chiefs' O line looked incredible, and now to add a star caliber player in Jawan Taylor in there, even if Orlando Brown is gone, I mean I think he fits the shoes perfectly for him, and he comes in and he takes that spot. I think he does great. So it just it's unfair as a football fan to keep seeing them just get away with this over and over and just get consistently better and good for them, but sucks for us. Yep. Um, I, I, I agree with Frank. It's a little unfair, but I feel like you need to do anything in your power to make sure your offensive line is still good for Mahomes. 
Um, I think this move was in the right direction, especially with Orlando Brown probably wanting to reset his market also. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Orlando Brown was asking for 90 or $100 million, uh for who knows how long. But I, Lermy Tunsil may be a stretch, but it may not be a stretch. I mean, who knows what D'Amico uh, Ryan's likes. I, I mean, he signed Case Keenum. What a out of left field signing on the first day of free agency. So I I don't know what he likes or you know will he get along with Tunsil? Is Tunsil a good locker room guy? I I mean it really depends. Does Tunsil fit his his team? And if he doesn't, I the Texans can get a pretty penny for him. Uh, that's for sure. Hey, you know what? The Chiefs can make all the offensive line moves they want because you know who else is doing it? The Buffalo freaking Bills. They made one out-of-house signing so far, and that was bringing in former Dallas Cowboys guard Connor McGovern on a three-year, $23 million contract. And I like this contract because, you know, this is a guy who started 15 games last year for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a former third-round pick, and he's only 25 years old, so you get a guy with upside on a relatively uh, cheap contract. According to Pro Football Focus, among guards, he was the 13th-ranked guard last year in pass protection, which is something you'd like to see because, you know, if the Bills are going to go all-in on this passing attack, you need guys that can uh, that can obviously pass protect. And I feel like for the Bills, an issue last year when it came to passing the football was pressure, you know, coming up the middle. I mean, and, you know, from the right side with Spencer Brown, but up the middle, that pocket, you know, collapsing in on Josh and forcing him to, you know, have to roll out and do the Josh Allen things that we've been accustomed to uh, seeing him do. But I feel like having that, you know, kind of anchor in the middle will help with that a little bit. And uh, Connor McGovern, this is a guy that uh, spent most of his first three seasons behind Zach Martin, which is a, a pretty good guy to learn under. He played 1,005 snaps for the Cowboys last season. 909 of those came at left guard. And as I mentioned, his 76.6 pass block grade was ranked 13th by PFF among guards who played 50% of their snaps. He is allowed two sacks, seven hits, and 14 hurries last year. So I really like this move. Uh, what do you guys think about it? I love it. I mean, he has only two flags in 2015 snaps. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and... I think this is the other underrated thing that other people aren't thinking about. Mitch Morse re- may retire at the end of this year and next year. You have this guy on the books for three years. Guess what he can play? Center. Mm-hmm. And guess who you have as your guards? I, I mean, if you do want to re-sign him. Bates and Bodiger. We can have a... You may have your replacement for Morris when Morris officially decides to retire. Because who knows, maybe Morris has told Bean or Sean, like, hey, I'm retiring after this year. Like, this is my, my goodbye season. Um, and at 25, to learn from either Ryan Bates, Ike Bodiger, or Mitch Morris, or all three together at the same time, that's a pretty good trio of people to learn from. I mean... Um, I, I love this move. I think this is the correct move for the Bills for the long term, especially at only 25. Oh, I'm going to love him. I mean, yeah, you said it, right? 25 years old, give him a three-year deal, 
He's great against the pass rush. I mean, it's what you need, the interior lineman, and I think mm-hmm. he fits the role well. And I think just keep doing this, and Buffalo, Buffalo's going to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan, you mentioned that he can play all three positions on the interior offensive line. So what does your ideal offensive line look like for the Bills next year? For me personally, I would say, obviously, you got Dawkins at left tackle. I would say you play Bates at left guard because I feel like he looked better at uh, left guard. I mean, he played right last year, but I think the year before he looked better at left guard. Then, obviously, you have Morris at center, and I think you slot McGovern in at right guard and, for the moment, Spencer Brown at right tackle, although that could change uh, by the time the draft rolls around but what would your ideal uh, offensive line for the bills look like next year as it stands today with the players that we have on the roster right now i yeah dawkins i would go um i i would probably do what you said i would do dawkins um bates morse mcgovern spencer brown and i think mcgovern would really help brown especially with a little bit more experience than bates i would feel like he, I, I don't know how to phrase it just because I don't want to sound like I'm hating on Bates, but I feel like since Bates has only played in one system, he's had less experience overall of facing other uh, defensive tackles and defensive ends where it's like McGovern's coming from Dallas where he used to face Micah Parsons in practice. I mean... And, and not every day you get to play Micah Parsons. Uh, so I, I definitely think that McGovern helping Brown out may be the thing Brown needs just to get back on track because I think we can all agree he had a sophomore slump. And, you know, it's it happens. But year three, he should turn around, and I think McGovern will help him out. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, with – little over 10 minutes left. Dan, I know you had your free agency predictions for the Bills, so let's get into it. Let's hear it. Who do you have the Bills uh, signing? Because, you know, while free agency's been popping off today, this is just the first day. we got a long way to go, a lot of signings to be made. So, Dan, what have you got? You know, of course, i got to start off with the re-signs. Uh, i got Kumaro staying. Mm-hmm. As much as we hate talking about him, Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart, he just he came in and was a great run offensive lineman. Uh, Taiwan Jones comes back for one more year. Cole Beasley, mm. I I would like him back. Uh, Jordan Phillips, I mentioned. Tremaine Edmonds, I mentioned. Dean Marlowe, I think, comes back. Yeah. Uh, same with our uh, two of our RFAs, Tyrell Dodson and Dane Jackson. Then I think the last one resigned uh, should be Shaq. I, I just think you can't have one without the other. And what I mean by that, you can't have a Jordan Phillips without a Shaq Lawson. Right. They they just they wanted each other to be in Buffalo, so it's kind of hard to say, no, you can't have them. Um, with the offense, you know, I didn't have Connor McGovern, but as an offensive guard, I had a tryout Turner from Washington. But now I know that's not happening, so uh, I can take him off my my board. But I do have us picking up a running back. Okay. It's not a top guy. It's not a Derrick Henry. It's not an Austin Eckler. Yep. It's a very underrated, I think, one of the last days of signing, of, of like the main signing period, Boston Scott from okay. Philadelphia. I, I think he's a great red zone running back, especially with this online game better. If you run it up McGovern's side, guess who he had to, to deal with? 
Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I think it could be a great goal line back. Jarvis Landry coming to the Bills, I think, is also another thing that could happen. I would love to see the Bills go back to five wide where Landry can play outside or slot. I would love to see it because the last time we played five wide, it was Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. I would love to see Landry take up that that Emmanuel Sanders role Especially you could probably get him for cheap because he only played nine games last year. Then I do think we get a right tackle. It's not to create competition with Spencer Brown. I think we do it to help Spencer Brown. And Frank, you may hate this from uh, from me, but I think we signed Josh Wells for a year. We We just kind of get that right tackle help. You know, in case if Brown's having an off day, you can plug Wells in there. Um, I I definitely think he could work. That's my offensive signings. My defensive signings, I I say the Bills signed Terrell Edmonds uh, oh, from Pittsburgh. Okay. That's the main reason I have Jermaine coming back. Mm, uh, right. Because I think Terrell's had a good time with Minka, and he's learned stuff from Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, which now you have Micah Hyde which is probably about the same uh, star caliber player, um, just hides a little bit older than Fitzpatrick. Then I I think you need somebody to fill the A.J. Klein role of, you know, being an um, outside linebacker who can stop the run. And who I really liked from Arizona, Matthew Adams. Uh, You can probably get him from cheap. It, It would be another last day signing. But it could be that run stopper that you need to, you know, just round out the defense, especially with hearing that McDermott loves going aggressive. Um, and then the the last defensive signing I have for the Bills and the last signing I have, uh, because the punter is not happening anymore, but I, I hate this guy dearly. I talk about him a lot. But I think if you can't beat him, why not join him? Melvin Ingram, defensive end. Mm. I, I love Melvin Ingram in his game. He destroys the Bills every time. It, it's hard not to mention it. He gets through the Bills like it's switched cheese. He, he just doesn't care about them. It's like they're invisible to him. Uh, so I, I would love to see for that time being that Vaughn's out probably re, you know, rehabilitating his ACL and just getting back into the swing of things. I would love to see Melvin Ingram be that number one DN role. And even you could get Vaughn with Melvin Ingram. I mean, that that would probably be a very scary top two D line uh, or top two DNs because AJ Epinenza is not working out. I, I don't think he's, he's just basically a special teams guy. If he even plays special teams, I don't even know for sure. Um, but I, I think Boogie needs to move up a little bit. I would love to see Rousseau and Boogie together. Or even you do Vaughn and Rousseau and Ingram and Boogie. I, I think that could be your your two rotational DN lines, which could be really good. And that's my signing. All right. Uh, I didn't go as in-depth as you. I'm going to be honest. Last night when I should have been... Uh, thinking about who I wanted the Bills to sign. I was trying to get acclimated to NHL 23 on the PlayStation 5. (laughs) Clearly, I have my priorities straight. But uh, if there was one, I'll go one on each side of the ball. If there was one offensive signing 
besides guard that I want the Bills to go after. I would say at receiver, I've been pounding the tables for the Bills to sign this guy since last offseason. Danny might know where I'm going with this, but DJ Chark, man, I would love to see DJ Chark. I think he could fill in that Emmanuel Sanders role and split time as a number two receiver with Gabriel Davis. This is a guy who's six foot four, runs about a four three forty, and let me just double check to verify to make sure I'm not uh, talking stupid here, but I believe he is two seasons removed from going over a thousand yards and okay, three seasons removed. And in 2021, he only played four games before he broke his ankle. So I would love to see DJ Chark. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think to fill the safety boy avoid a guy I'd look at is Jabril Peppers. I don't think the Patriots have re-signed him, but I think he would be a nice uh, versatile player to have on the back end, potentially plug in uh, where Jordan Poyer was playing, and I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. Frank, was there any predictions you had for the Buccaneers players you'd like to see Tampa Bay go after? I mean... Anybody I, who wants to sign there. <laughs> really? I mean, I can't think of any big offensive line free agents that we can go after or just trades that we can do just because of the cap that we're in. We don't really have like a lot of pieces other than just... Leonard Fournette for Austin Eckler. <laughs> <laughs> Happening. <laughs> don't, uh, I can't, uh, I'm cool with Rashad White on my team. Uh, I really haven't, I haven't had my eye on anyone. Just get me your quarterback, and that's what I'm worried about right now. All right, there you go. We'll just call it. We'll say Baker Mayfield, call it a day. With the uh, the last couple moments here, we'll uh, we'll speed run a couple things. So we mentioned the Bills need a backup quarterback. Well, the Dolphins did too, and they found him. Mike White, the legend, goes from the Jets down to the Dolphins. He signed a uh, a two year deal to be the backup quarterback. Frank, you're gonna love to hear this, but the uh, the other teams in your division just keep beefing up while you're over here talking. Like, come on, do something. With the uh, with the Buccaneers, the Panthers signed safety Von Bell and defensive tackle Shy Tuttle from the New Orleans Saints, so they're beefing up on the defensive side of the ball. And we have to round things out, I suppose, with the Aaron Rodgers news. Still, nothing is official. This tweet is from Sal Capaccio seven minutes ago, uh, quoting Adam Schefter on ESPN. And Schefter said that Rodgers' two primary options are the Jets or retirement. He said there's cautious optimism that Rodgers is going to New York, but that's as far as he's willing to go right now. So that is where we stand as we're about to sign off on the Aaron Rodgers saga with the New York Jets. But that's going to bring us to an end here. Why don't you folks go ahead and shout out your social media? I'll go first. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at double underscore D capital WNY. Find me on Twitter at Frank561Lopez and on Instagram at FrankLopez underscore 561. And he followed me! I did. I finally saw it. I saw it. (laughs) All right. And you can find me on Twitter at TJSaunders2000 on Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders2000. And we'll give one more uh, free agency signing since it is breaking within the last couple seconds. The Chicago Bears dipping in with a little more of that cap space, beefing up the offensive line. They signed Titans guard Nate Davis to a three-year contract, so continuing to build around Buston Fields. Love to see it. Now that is going to do it. We will see you in the next one. But until then, have a great day.